raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. We'll get your calls in just a second. Zach Kiefer of The Athletic. He does join us. Man, that's absolutely brutal for a dude who has been down that path before, brother. I hate it. I hate it. Marlon was one of the nicest guys in all my years covering the Colts. And I remember that day in Jacksonville, where I want to say the second offensive play of the game maybe. He he basically ended his season in Indianapolis and, and didn't get to really ever be the same player again. And it feels like his career took a turn on that play. But, man, 2018 – Luck was still here. That dude was rolling, and that was a fun running back to watch. So Zach Kiefer is with us. Speaking of other running backs, and I'll get to the Taylor situation with you and my thoughts and what you think coming up in a minute. What do you think about this interest in Kareem Hunt? And understand, uh, they need running backs right now. But are you in a position where you need a guy like Kareem Hunt? And I'm talking about both the on-the-field production where he is in his career right now, the off-the-field stuff from the past. Do you need, even with your running back situation and the injuries, Kareem Hunt that bad right now? Doesn't it tell you that they think, yeah, that they're at least kicking the tires with this guy? Um, There's a couple things I want to hit on with this. I mean, one, I think it tells you the Colts realize this Jonathan Taylor thing isn't likely to get wrapped up anytime soon. And I know it's only August 9th, but that's about a month from the season. How much time does he need to practice? Is he even close to practicing? Like, it feels like it's getting increasingly obvious by the day that that dude is not suiting up for that season opener against the Jaguars. And then secondly, there's a lot of layers to Kareem Hunt, right? And I thought KB and and Jake talked about this really well this morning on their show. Look, this is a team with an owner in Jim Irsay, but also with three female owners. His three daughters are vice chair owners of this team. And this is also a team that was ready to pursue Deshaun Watson a year and a half ago, right? Like, I don't know if this is out there. I don't know if this is talked about. They were ready to pursue Deshaun Watson and then live with whatever happened. The reason it didn't go forward was not of the Colts' volition. It was the Houston Texans saying, heck no, we're not trading this guy within the division. But I'm not saying they would have signed him, but they were at least having the conversations and they were willing to move further with that. Now that tells you a lot about where they were. And maybe the daughters stepped in, maybe Kalen or Carly stepped in at the finish line and said, no, we're not going to welcome a player who has been accused of what Deshaun Watson has been accused of. With, Ty, with, with Kareem Hunt, it, it's a little bit different, right? I mean, like you've seen the video. I've seen the video. Everybody's seen the video of him attacking and hurting and injuring a woman. And then when she's on the ground, going after her again. I mean, it's just it's just hard to talk about. So, you know, this is a team that's preached character and preached that a lot in their draft evaluations. And while I think it's a little bit different during the draft, you're a team that's all about togetherness and character. After what you just put your fan base through last year, the disaster and the embarrassment that was 2022 for this season, now you're willing to welcome a guy who's had a shady past that's going to probably help you on the field, right? Let's be honest. He's going to help you. You're so depleted at running back. There's a lot of layers there, and there's a lot of questions the GM, the owner, and that organization would have to answer if they bring Kareem Hunt in. 
Well, and, and the other thing, and Zach, I want to get back to a lot of those comments you just made. Zach Kiefer from the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And, and I made a guess on this. I, I felt what was an educated guess because all, all the national folks uh, reported, you know, Kareem Hunt had, you know, a great visit in New Orleans, and now he's off to the Colts. And to me, I kind of read that as – it seemed like that the reps for Kareem Hunt, they were trying to get more money out of the Saints, yeah. and the Saints had decided that's who we want, but let's see if we can squeeze any more money out of them and, and put this Colts situation in there. So I, I do kind of wonder if there is as much interest that the Colts have in him right now is what a lot of people believe just because of that quote alone. Would you agree? Yeah, that was totally my sense. Is He had a great visit with the Saints. Let's go see what Indy's willing to offer and see if we can use that as leverage, right? But it still, it still bears the question, are you really willing to bring this guy in? And then if, if so, um, how, bad is your rece- how bad is your running back room right now? How bad are your conversations with Jonathan Taylor right now? And then you're really willing to bend on something you've preached and preached and drove down our throats in the media and, and preached to your fans for years and years about character. And then the other thing, too, everybody in the world now says running back is so disposable, just slot anybody in. You know, a six-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and everything's going to be okay. Uh, And right now you're just looking for, I know, some running back camp bodies. Maybe you're looking for more considering Jonathan Taylor's situation, of which we'll get to in just a second. But it just it, it to me, if you're going to go down this path, it really would be anybody but. You know what I mean, Zach? I mean, anybody yeah. but this direction. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Like, this team's in a really unique spot. It, it's not in a spot that it was the last couple of years. They don't have to win this year. I think the fans understand that. The overriding objective of this season is to see where this kid is at at the end of the year, where Anthony Richardson is at. My stance on this all along was having Jonathan Taylor there helps him a lot. But you don't have to win this year. You don't have to compete in the AFC South. This is about building for 25 and 26. But, yeah, to your point, you can just throw in any running back. Not any running back that they have on this roster. This might be the worst running back room in the league right now in terms of guys that are available. I think KB was running through the numbers this morning. Like, one guy's an undrafted free agent. The other guy has two career carries. The other guys are, like, never played in the league. Like, sure, you can plug in any capable running back. But when Zach Moss went down, that really changed things for this team. It sure doesn't sound like Jonathan Taylor's ready to slip on a uniform anytime soon. I mean, that, that's going to help. That's going to really help their desire to go sign someone because the reality is, and I think they understand this from the top, Ursay, Ballard, even Steichen, they know that this season is about seeing what they have and getting the reps out of Anthony Richardson. And if you're having him hand it to some no-name running back who can't pick up a first down, that's going to make life a lot harder. That's a very real factor in this. And they really box themselves in with this situation. JT isn't any closer. They got one guy unlucky, get hurt, gets hurt. It's it's really really tough to see this team having a good running back room this year unless Taylor miraculously returns. Well, Zach, with that in mind, it bears the question: then then why deal with Taylor in the form and fashion in which you have? If if you realize how necessary that position is and how much it is there to help the future and the learning possibilities right now of an inexperienced rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson, why have you treated Jonathan Taylor in this situation in the fashion in which you have? Yeah, that's that's my stance all along. We've talked about this. Like I was always on board with paying this guy because it helps your quarterback, because it 
backs up the motto you've had since since Ballard took over. You pay your own. Now, I will add two caveats. One, I don't know what specifically Taylor is asking. I've heard it a lot. Now, if he's asking for like a record-breaking contract, more than McCaffrey, more than Derrick Henry, right. I, don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. That's not going to happen. And Jim Mercer has made that clear. The other thing, and this is really weird, is this guy was working out in March. Like, he had off-season surgery. He was working out as early as March and April. And then he comes to camp, and he's not ready to go. Now, maybe there's a setback. But my understanding, and from talking to people around the building when I was still on the beat, was like there was no concern this guy was going to be full go at the start of training camp. EJ Speed, similar injury, he's out there. That, I think, threw the team for a little bit of a loop. Now, with the changing agents and the changing tone from Jonathan Taylor's camp, I think it's fair for the team to wonder, where is this ankle at before we pay you? And then also, if you're not willing to be out there, if you're not willing to get ready to get ready for this season, I think there's some pause on the team's part, and I think that's fair. But to answer your earlier part, that's what I was telling you for months. Like, you need to keep this guy on the field so it makes life easier for your rookie quarterback. So Zach here for the Athletic of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. I've asked this question, kind of put it out there. I was talking to Mike Tenenbaum about this very thing yesterday, and he brought it up as well. Um, and, and what you just said, uh, combined with what Jim Mercedes said, said a month ago on Pat McAfee's show that Jonathan Taylor was all healed and then everything went to hell in a handbasket, presumably after that, is this a ploy? Is this a scheme? Is this like plan C or D for the representation of Jonathan Taylor to make sure that if he doesn't want to play and isn't going to play, he still gets paid? I mean, only Jonathan Taylor can answer that, but is it fair to ask can... that question right now? Because I, I am. Absolutely. Yeah. As bad as this is, as, as, as amicable as this is not right now, like this is bad. Like this is, you know, the Colts, you know, maybe putting him on NFI, like that seems like a threat to me from the team. Yes. Like is it, is it getting that bad? It feels like it's a fair question to ask. And the problem here, the one voice we've not heard from is Jonathan Taylor. And I go back to this, John. In April, we got to sit down with him for the first time since the season ended, and he said, look, I made an obligation to this organization. I put pen to paper. I'm going to be here, and I'm going to play for this team for four years. If a contract extension happens, it happens. That's great. Now, he thought at that point he was going to get one, but you can't say that and then completely turn those words around and do the exact opposite come training camp. Now, maybe he's hurt. Only Jonathan Taylor can answer that, and that's why it's so frustrating because you haven't heard from him besides a couple tweets and we know where he stands on the running back situation. But, but that's the reality. And, and look, I don't, I don't blame the Colts for a lot of this because this guy's under contract. And just because other guys got paid early doesn't mean it's an obligation for this team to pay you early. Now, that's what they said they were going to do, and I believe that was their intent. But I think this ankle changed things. And Jonathan Taylor's own words three, four months ago was, I'm going to play for this team and I'm under contract. And something's changed. I want to know what changed. And it very much makes sense that the agent got in his ear and he's taking a different stance. And it's not helping him, and it's certainly not helping the team. Well, I certainly think that's a playbook, and this is one of the plays from that that particular playbook that we're talking about from the, yeah, it the, ain't working. Yeah. It ain't working so far, but, but I also do blame the Colts too in this um, because if it comes down to that, this is really not an injury and this is just a ploy or a scheme. If you could have done anything whatsoever, and I, I go back to what you said and, and what you've said before about the level of importance that he brings to this team in this situation offensively with their quarterback that is so unlike any other 
on the NFL yep. landscape right now, the fact that you don't recognize that is to me ridiculous. How do you not recognize that? Again, now, if there's something else that has happened, you know, if he got injured, his ankle getting off the bus, you know, two weeks ago, whatever, then so be it. But you knew what you were getting into with this. You knew what was necessary. And to treat this situation as volatilely as you have, starting with the owner, makes zero sense to me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It, it just it just doesn't add up. And And to compare him to the other running backs in the league, right, like, like, you don't pay running backs anymore. I get that. Super Bowl champions never have a star running back anymore. I get that. But this is a unique situation, and every situation with these running backs needs to be handled based on where they're at with the team. And this is a team with a young quarterback who needs as many playmakers and veterans around him to help this transition. 13 starts at Florida. We all know that. You've talked about this on the show. And you go to the other running back rooms in the league where those guys are worth every penny. Tennessee has built their team around Derrick Henry, and they've probably gotten as much as they can out of that dude, right? You, that guy's worth paying for. He's, he's an anomaly. The other one is Christian McCaffrey. He's worth every penny that he's getting in San Francisco right now. Why? Because you had Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, take you to the NFC Championship game last year because of McCaffrey and the pieces around him. Now, Richardson's way more talented than Purdy, but my point is running backs still matter, and they still impact the game, and they still score points especially for a team that's looking to run. And I know Jim Mersey, because he mentioned this, as soon as they drafted Richardson in the spring, he went back to 1998 when he had a veteran running back in place in Marshall Falk help a young rookie quarterback in Peyton Manning as a rookie. Now, Peyton struggled as a rookie. We know, I think it was 27 interceptions, that record he wants to be broken every single year, right? Now, Peyton struggled, right? And that was with Marshall Falk. And Peyton was a guy who started 45 games in Tennessee. So Richardson is coming in a lot more raw Everything around him, every piece around him that makes that transition easier, that needs to be the entire number one focus of this organization. And that's why I'm with you. It's so strange how this has played out because I thought both teams were on the same page in April and May. I really did. So the other part about this is this has been the building blocks, the blueprint, the path for six years of Chris Ballard is to have that that's what he wanted that's why he traded up three years ago for jonathan taylor and got the blessing from the owner so what has changed that dynamic because again in the entire process of this team and where it is once again you get a situation where i'm sorry in all this the general manager does not look good what changed john was 2022 and the end of 2021 don't you think the lessons of 2021, those last two games against Vegas and the collapse in Jacksonville, and then really last season, which was a continuation of the absolute bleep show that was the end of that last season. Don't you think that changes their team-building approach? Don't you think it has to? Like, don't you think they need to step back and say, one, we convinced ourselves we were close and we weren't, and two, our team-building approach hasn't gotten us anywhere. Yeah, they've had some nice draft picks, but they couldn't, they couldn't figure it out last year, and they weren't as close as they thought in 2021 either. And the only reason they really kept it together in 20 was probably because of Phillip Rivers. They have not been as close as they thought, and their team-building approach where they're just paying these guys, like what's a big contract that you really like on this team right now that you really like? Shaq Leonard, injury history. Didn't get him out there last year besides 70 snaps. Quentin Nelson regressed a little bit last year. Braden Smith's been fine. Ryan Kelly, 
his worst year last year. Like, Naheem Hines, they couldn't figure out how to use him. Like, name a big contract that this team has shelved out based on that team-building approach that you really like right now. And those big contracts are supposed to help you avoid the disaster that was 2022, regardless of the quarterback situation. So I think there's been some, some real deep thought put into this by Ballard and Ursay and the newcomer Shane Steichen. And I think, honestly, it's overdue because their team-building approach has been completely flawed the last couple of years. Not completely flawed, but it's certainly been flawed. We learned that with the way the last two seasons ended. And I don't think it's a bad thing that they're sitting back and reevaluating. Now, I don't know if Taylor's situation plays necessarily into that, but they got a lot of big contracts on this roster. And remember, they're paying Matt Ryan $12 million to call games for CBS. That's not helping them a whole lot. So I think it's fair for them to take a deep breath, look at how they've built this, and maybe consider a different direction. So the only one that they literally don't take a deep breath on in this is the actual architect of this. He's the guy that gets the the seal of approval and gets to continue on making decisions now in a different fashion, even though he was the one that has taken us down this blueprinted path in the first place. There's where a lot of fans are going to go, well, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, it's fair. I think I think Chris Ballard would tell you the same thing. Um, his, his first words in the opening press conference after last season was, I failed. I failed. And the tone was different when we talked to Jim Irsay in this spring, and this is what jumped out at me, was instead of saying we want Chris to be here for a long time, we anticipate Chris being here for a long time, which is what he said in the past. He said, look, everybody has to perform in this league. You have to succeed. I think Irsay didn't want to do a total overhaul. I think he wanted to keep Ballard on because he believes in his ability to draft well. He got his quarterback. He finally pulled the trigger on the quarterback. And I think if you see the upswing at the end of the season, this is really important for Ursay is how this team ends this season. He's not going to look at numbers and he's not going to look at wins that much. He wants to see this team improving and he wants to feel like this quarterback is a guy they can build around. I think that is what will determine if Chris Bauer is here for a long term is, is Anthony Richardson, the guy, did they hit on that? And is he able as an executive to build around this guy the right way? They've never had that chance but also they've never pulled the trigger on a quarterback in six years. So they had it all put together in, in 2018. Now, Ballard didn't draft that quarterback, but there was a really good team that was ready to compete. They screwed up trying to get back to that point. Now they're going to have to do it from scratch, and I think this is going to be the deciding factor in Ballard's long-term fate here is where the arrow points at the end of this season. It's Zach Kiefer of the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And if we're talking about here, honestly, a change in philosophy while not telling anybody there's a change in philosophy. I mean, I mean, you just let everybody notice, I guess, what people would call organically. Right. I mean, with what you're doing at quarterback, um, it, it's just it's, it's weird because you still have the contracts. You still have those players. They could have chosen to trade DeForest Buckter to get some value. They did not. So the trench belief on both sides of the football is certainly still there. But but that aside, I've said this, Zach, many times. I may have even told you this. I, I thought the way that the Pacers handled the transition at the beginning of last season was perfect, and it turned out for them in the court of public opinion for Pacer fans as being perfect, too. You know, Rick Carlisle came on the show in October and said, hey, you know, this is a massive transition here, and some nights it's not going to look great. So I would ask for Pacer fans to have some patience and we're going to build this thing up to 
a product in which they're going to be proud. And you know what happened? What they did, they undersold it. And then they over-delivered. Even not making the postseason, they over-delivered. With that one run in December, they over-delivered, whereas you have a fan base now that is completely happy and content of the path in which they're on. Why can't the Colts learn from that? Why can't they do that? Why can't they be that open and honest about an obvious situation like this and move forward? And again, what you do is you you overproduce for what our thought process is. We're probably all thinking, Zach, right now about five wins, maybe six at the most. I mean, if you just say that and you're open and honest about it, what to expect, again, you you over-deliver and you under-call your shot in this case. And the fact that they're not willing to do that or haven't done that is ridiculous to me, honestly. You know who owns the Colts? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we can't we can't go one conversation without hearing about multiple Lombardi. Oh, and, we, I mean, that's I mean, we should be we we all recognize that's the anti right. now though, right? right. I, I think even he does, and and how you can tell is he's not as active in social media. He has been obviously in this situation too active, honestly, but he hasn't been outspoken on this. So is that what we're taking about his lack of outspokenness about the expectations of this team? Him knowing yeah. that, are, are they saying that without saying it again? Why do we have to read between the lines? Why can't they just say it? it just, they can't even do so much this. good for the fan base. Yeah, I'm with you. I love what the Pacers did. Uh, undersell, over-deliver, right? And, and, and that, that would be hard for the Colts because of Jim Mercer and his ambition. I wrote this about him one time. He's obviously the biggest Colts fan there are, but he's also a salesman. He sells hope. In 2019, during training camp in which Andrew Luck was not participating, Jim Irsay said, I have the privilege of bringing the best team to this fan base I've ever brought. Now think about that. Think about 2004 and 5 and 6 and 7 and all those great teams with Hall of Fame executive coach, running back, quarterback, receiver, and a ton of studs all over the place. He was ranking the 2019 Colts. Let's say Andrew Luck was healthy ahead of those teams with Manning and James and Harrison. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, he's selling fans hope, whether it's there or not. And I want to go back to a comment that Chris Ballard made at some point in the offseason when he was being pretty real with us on how bad this got. He said, one of the things we have failed the most at the last couple of years is managing expectations. And I think Holder was behind me in the press conference, and Holder said, yes. Like, all of us knew. All of us knew that they had failed at that. And it partly starts at the top. It starts with the owner chirping about winning the opener for a couple of years in a row and Frank Wright getting a little annoyed with that, right? Now, if you don't want to be annoyed with it, win the opener for the first time in a decade. Um, but it also stems from him talking about winning multiple Lombardies and, and this talk of championships when you're not even close. The reality is the owner's talking about the upper quartile of the upper quartile during a press conference in which you have won one playoff game since 2014. Every team in your division has won the division multiple times since you last won it. Like, that's where this team is at. Andrew Luck's not coming back. Peyton Manning's not coming back. This is the new reality for this team, and it feels like you get it, the fan base gets it, and maybe the last person that's going to get it is Jim Mercer. But I do think he has a good pulse on where this team is at, even if he's not saying it publicly. He knows this is a long, slow rebuild. I don't get some of the decisions in terms of keeping guys 
if you're going to rebuild this around Richardson. But I understand you want to have a good infrastructure around him. Keeping guys like Buckner certainly does that. But the reality is this is, this is not a team that's ready to compete for the next couple of years. You're just not going to hear them say that. Zach Kiefer is with us. And, and, and again, I still think even at the level in which we believe they're going to compete, they need a competent running back and you know we go back to you know, kareem hunt and why they they may have interest whether or not it's significant i guess we don't really know but i would still charge them with what the hell regarding unless there's some other stuff we don't know the treatment of, of jonathan taylor and why you wouldn't deem him so necessary when you'd go out and investigate that if kareem hunt that just Unless there's, I'm sure there is a lot of stuff we don't know, Zach. That that's the thing that I really question right now is, you know, why you don't recognize what you have if you recognize and you're willing to take a chance on on somebody that has a pass like that uh, is questionable at best. By the way, what are you writing about before I let you go? Yeah, I, I, doesn't it speak to their desperation? You know that that, that they're willing yeah, to bring in that guy. That, but I mean, everybody tells you that that's not a position in which you need to be desperate about, right? I mean, we all hear yeah. that all the time. Well, a fifth, sixth rounder, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. why, so why, are you, why are you stinking desperate now? I mean, for bodies? Well, get slide anybody in there. Who cares? Because it does matter. Because it does matter. And you look at the running back room and you go, it do, ugh, true. Yeah. Ugh, you know? Yeah. Um, you don't want to be calling 25 runs a game for Anthony Richardson. Um, <laughs> I just got back. I was on a long camp road trip. I yeah. did training camp in Miami. I'm doing a longer story about the quarterback there who might be the most fascinating guy in all of football this year, Tua Tagovailoa. And then I stopped by Tampa and caught up with some some more players and then finished in Jacksonville and got to catch up with Trevor Lawrence and, and kind of write about the Jags' revitalization under Doug Peterson. So lots to come from me, but uh, I haven't missed the chaos in Westfield, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's like that. It, 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 uh, it gets old but because it, it's always there, right? I mean, it's always always ready no matter what. I did it for what. nine years, man. It put some gray hairs on my head, man. It's, it's been nice to get away from it a little bit, but uh, I feel for my guys out there every day having to deal with Jonathan Taylor watch. Yeah, yeah. it um, It is ridiculous. And again, I know we don't have all the information but i guess it's just what we are left to and again i know they don't like it but that's what we're left with without answers of any sort any kind we're left open for interpretation and that's exactly and what we did is, so this is i mean this is the first couple of weeks of shane steichen's coaching head coaching career and like it's this is not fair to him it's just really not fair to him to put this to put him in this spot but that's the reality and it's a good it's a good welcome to the nfl moment in terms of if you're going to coach the Colts, there's going to be some drama. Tell you what, there's nothing more uncomfortable to watch than Shane Steichen try to explain to the media that is there um, something he doesn't want to try to explain to the media, like Jonathan Taylor's situation. You know, has, I mean, it's really he awkward. Has no interest in none. This. He has no interest Zero. in explaining this. Uh, no, he just, dude, he's just, he just wants to coach ball. Like that's all he wants to do. Well, then he chose the wrong place. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yes, at least he has to this point. Hey, man, uh, congratulations on the gig, and glad everything's going okay, and we'll check in periodically over the course of this season, man. Appreciate you. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me, man. It's uh, Zach Kiefer of The Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What in the hell have I done? Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. 
Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline. Morning shows, Kevin Query, weekday mornings here, 7 until 10 a.m. Kevin Bowen joins us. Um, I understand uh, desperate times, desperate measures, all that stuff. But I, I can't quite laugh enough because all I ever hear in support of Jonathan Taylor in this is, you know what, running backs are a dime a dozen. Running backs are a dime a dozen no matter what and should be viewed that way, especially this time, considering what they don't have at that position in camp. Running backs are a dime a dozen, yet you want to bring in a guy like Kareem Hunt with that past to coincide with that lack of recent history production uh, is somewhat mind-blowing to me. And the Colts actually offered him something, and evidently no deal was struck here. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what else to say, Kev, about that. I just don't. Yeah, John, I think it's it's quite the statement of where your franchise is at when, as you just laid out there, I thought pretty well, the desperation mode that – you appear to be in where whether it's off the field and I think you can make a strong argument even on the field with cream hot right now that this is the type of player and the type of person you're willing to try and bring into your organization um you know I, I think you know I, I certainly tried to speak and I know Jake did as well this morning and you know some people probably don't give two you know what's about my moral compass or whatever but I think it's pretty utterly pathetic the Colts would even make an offer to Kareem Hunt for off-the-field reasons. But, you know, if you just want to live in the football moment, the guy, you know, averaged under four yards per carry last year with Cleveland and is slowly approaching the age of 30. And if you are under four yards per carry and you're getting closer to 30, I don't really know what that does for you in terms of helping out your running back room. And I, I would assume, given the offer, I mean, Kareem Hunt has never played special teams in his NFL career. So, you know, to me, it's more of like, boy, you start reading tea leaves here. What does that say about your other running backs? <laughs> what does that say, obviously, about Jonathan Taylor, all of those things? But, um, yeah, it, it's a sad state of affairs when for an organization that, you know, preaches kicking the stigma and they're willing to offer a guy that kicks a woman. Um, I think that, 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 that sadly states kind of an accurate – depiction of what the Colts are willing to do right now um, considering where they're at. For the disposability of a position in the NFL as has been talked about and a reason even before all of this the Colts were unwilling to move off of what they were wanting to give Jonathan Taylor in the final year of his deal and then to believe that you could find an answer in Kareem Hunt to me is ridiculous. Just is. Just is. Yeah, it, You know the whole dime a dozen thing that you brought up earlier John you know it, the comparison that I've tried to make with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, I guess, based off the Colts, is this. You know, when the Colts over the last few years have rolled with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines as their two running backs, there's been a stark contrast in Naheem Hines as a runner versus Taylor. Like, the games that Taylor has been out, which, you know, haven't been many, but, you know, here as of late, 
again, oftentimes Hines would be passed up as a guy that, you know, you would use in a more traditional first and second down role. You would use somebody else and kind of keep Hines isolated right. in that third down usage and, and, and kind of mix and match. And, and I guess in a way that's kind of haunt with Cleveland. I mean, if you look at the numbers, um, it is a huge difference between Nick Chubb as a starting running back behind a great offensive line versus, and I brought up the yards per carry earlier, of Kareem Hunt at 3.8. And again, I don't think Hunt gives you, you know, what Hines does as a returner and as a receiver, and he's much older as well. So, um, boy, it's uh, it's head-scratching on multiple levels. And again, I, I, I don't want to harp too much on the moral aspect of it. I think just purely football-wise, to me, it's like, wow, first Kenyon Drake, now potentially this. I was there on, you know, yesterday at practice. I saw the running back room that was healthy. Um, it was two rookies, an undrafted free agent, a fifth rounder. It was a guy, Jake Funk, that has two carries in the NFL. And it was Kenyon Drake, who was, you know, obviously on his couch a week ago. So I, I understand where they're at right now with Deion Jackson a little banged up. Obviously, Zach Moss out for a month, month and a half. But it, it's still kind of showing your cards a bit that you're willing to go here. And what does that say about Taylor? And what does that say about, you know, how you view him just in the 2023 light with this football team? All right, we, we can start right here if you want to. I mean, you bring him in and you show all signs. And obviously, this report from Pelissaro and Schefter, that's all coming from the Kareem Hunt representation. And I felt all along that they were just trying to get more money with this story itself out of New Orleans because that's where they ultimately wanted to go. But this also serve a purpose for the Colts and, you know, say, hey, we're serious about not worrying about Jonathan Taylor on this team, you know, whatsoever through all this. I, I think it's a pretty ridiculous way to go with it to prove that point or to give yourself an angle on it. But I guess that ultimately could be part of it. And then also, Kev, I want you to play off of this. With all that we know right now, uh, we're forced – to ultimately in all this interpret what's going on and i can't help with my interpretation until i find out otherwise that i'm wrong that some of this on the rehabbing the ankle has more to do with making sure his client gets paid on the jonathan taylor side than it has anything to do with an ankle situation right now. You've been out there. You may know certainly better than I do, but that's the first thing that popped into my mind is maybe this is a blueprint, a plan B of sorts that's being played out more so than anything else. What do you think? Well, I would say a couple of years ago, John, and again, I could be off on this, but there is some evidence to point to of a client of the same agent that, represents Jonathan Taylor uh, being Shaquille Leonard signing a contract. And then three days later, after missing 10 straight practices to open up camp, he he's good to go. And he starts participating in camp. So, you know, I, I don't know if it's exactly the same scenario, but it's probably worth pointing out considering again, the representation is. Yeah. So, uh, so you, you think this sounds player. like a play play from the playbook of the representation. I think it's worth pointing out. Hey, that's, um, and that, and I have stuff. yesterday. I, I had Mike Tannenbaum and I had a conversation about it because I felt – because we go back – a month ago, Jim Mercer told Pat McAfee that he was all healed up. All healed up. Right. So what, what's right. transpired um, is, is basically just a soap opera-esque back and forth until where right. we are right now. To me, it seems like, again, a ploy, a scheme from the Taylor side of things. 
and, and I would tell you where I have a little pause and fully go in there in, in just a second. But, um, again, I've heard very conflicting things in regards to Taylor's health, whether he could give it a go tomorrow or this is something that he literally is off-site getting whatever, second opinion, rehabbing for a reason. And basically why I have the pause is because Taylor, I think, is a pretty unique NFL player in that before last season, if you go back to his two years in the NFL before that, his three years at Wisconsin, his four years of high school football, that's nearly a decade of football, the guy never missed a game and never missed a practice. And he plays arguably the most punishable position, maybe not even arguably, the most punishable position on the football field. And so when he encounters this ankle issue last year and it forces him to miss games, I think it's the first time that Taylor's ever gotten to a point physically where all of a sudden he's like, man, I I don't know if I can give it a go. And then I think you obviously factor in the contractual like timeline of, okay, it's year three of a second round pick, which means extension could be coming, means contract year could be coming, all of those elephants in the room. And that probably is weighing on him. I, I recall several times, and hell, John, there are probably several conversations we had last year, you and I, on Wednesdays, where you asked me about Taylor's status for Sunday, and I thought, yeah, I think he's going to give it a go. And then we get to, like, Thursday, we get to Friday. I think I still kind of felt confident about it. And then all of a sudden, something would change in that last kind of 48-hour window. And, and I am curious, like, how much of that is Taylor all of a sudden kind of being like, yeah, I'm not going to push it, push it. And that's where I kind of question a little bit of my, is this Leonard 2.0 from two years ago? Which, again, I, I don't even know is if that's you know fair for me to go all the way there. But I just think Taylor has never dealt with this before. Um, I think he showed expressions of doubt last year in trying to play through it. And this was before the season went off the rails. Um, and, and so that's where I have a little bit of pause of, like, is this more? Now, frankly, if you're a fan of the Colts and you want to see Jonathan Taylor run for 1,500 yards this year, you would much rather hope that this is a guy that's trying to do this contractually than he is doing well, a health. What do you actually so think right now? What do you think? Do you think we, you think he's actually still trying to come back from that injury? Do you think it's that, or do you think it's more of an agent ploy? I'd probably put the piece of the pie a little bit bigger on the agent ploy, but again, I don't say that super confidently. Yeah, and I understand. Yeah, I want to make that clear. Like I, I don't, I'm, I don't because I have heard such conflicting things with this Taylor situation. I mean. I can recall in the spring where it was like, oh, yeah, he's going to go do some field work after after practice. I'm like, okay, he'll be good to go at the start of camp, just like Michael Pittman, who had missed, you know, all of the spring with the, with the hip injury. And, you know, he's taken every meaningful rep that you'd expect Michael Pittman to, to take here in camp. But uh, that's where I'm just kind of torn on it from a Taylor sense of exactly where he is at physically. But I do think we are slowly approaching – a drop that date of that dude's got to get on the field if he wants to be ready week one. I mean, again, he missed the final three games of last season. You know, he hasn't done any sort of football activity from a team or practice standpoint in that, in that frame. Um, they've got, I mean, I would highly doubt he practices tomorrow. We'll see about next week. I know Shane Steichen didn't close the door shut on him participating in training camp. I joke with Mike <laughs> Chappell and unfortunately Chap's dealing with some hip issues. I think it's a better chance that Chap practices in training camp than Jonathan Taylor. Steichen was just trying to get out of that. He didn't want to go any further whatsoever. There was nobody more uncomfortable than being asked and given an answer to a couple of questions than Shane Steichen yesterday with that. 
Yeah, I compare Shane Steichen answering those questions to me trying to dodge you playing baby music with my father-in-law and uh, listening on the other end to <laughs> awkward, it. Awkward, um, very awkward, think, yes. Yes, um, yeah, awkward. You could throw probably several Ks in there uh, and, and emphasizing that. Um, so that's where I, I, I guess we are starting to get to a point where actions are speaking. And the actions are a signing of Kenyon Drake, an offer to Kareem Hunt, Jonathan Taylor not being there, and we're going to get more actions next week, whether it's continued absence, uh, whether it's him not on the practice field. Like at some point, if you get to August 20th, 25th, whatever you want to circle on the calendar, Taylor has to practice. And, and this sounds wild, but I'm thinking about Saturday in the preseason game, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Evan Hall as a fifth-round pick is a dude that might be needed to put in bubble wrap. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, you can't take any injuries at that position for sure, Kev. You might need him for 30, 40 snaps come week (laughs) one. So it is is beyond wild that we are here with Taylor, and and we're here running back-wise because it's not just Taylor. The Moss broken forearm, the Deion Jackson injury, um, there are several in the whole Kareem Hunt thing. There there are many layers to this. Yeah, there's no doubt. How serious do you think that they honestly were regarding Kareem Hunt? to put a bow on that? Well, I think if you make an offer, I mean, that's, I mean. I, I mean, I, 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 I understand. I just, I, I, I'm coming from the national coverage side, I, I this obviously from the agent, and I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I guess an offer is an offer. You, Ultimately, it's an offer. It, it is an offer, so you're right. So You and I both know this, John. Obviously, a lot of these reported stories, particularly offers, are agent-driven. Yes. They, and you pointed this out you know, perfectly in the last 24 hours. You know, so much of this is probably to drive up the, the asking price for, for Kareem Hunt. If the Colts want to control the narrative, and we've seen this here in the last few weeks, they have people in that organization, particularly at the top of the organization, that will leak whatever they want to get out there. And, but and they leak it locally. Taylor's, They'll leak that locally for their sure. angle. But, they, but they, so I mean, far, the national I mean, comes from the agent. Right. I mean, so far, and I, yeah, the, the Hunt story's been yeah. out there for 30 minutes, but right. I would think if you want to debunk this, you have some avenues, and there are people in this market that would certainly you know, make sure that that get, gets out there. And um, as of now, and again, I haven't checked Twitter since I hopped on with you, but I, I haven't seen anything to debunk that. I just I can't help but thinking, and I know it's a long way to go. And at the same time, I mean, you're going you're going to take some hits in the process. I mean, even considering Kareem Hunt, but sometimes I wonder if it's more of all right. We're not seriously going to bring this dude in, and I know the report out there that they offered him, but we're not serious about this. But we do want to make again perfectly clear. I mean, here's another avenue we could take if we want to uh, with with Jonathan Taylor. So I don't know. That, again, that's being in this market for so long. Those are things I never would have considered in the past. That in this time and place with the Colts that you now do. Yeah, it, it's it's wild. And again, even if you want to totally sweep the cream hunt off the field stuff under the rug, just look at him as a football player, John. Yeah, three point eight a carry exactly. And, and he asked for a trade. Age he is. He asked for a trade at the beginning of the season out of Cleveland last year. Yeah, it's just like well, I don't, I, I don't get that either. Uh, I, I'd rather opt for you know youth and and a little bit more juice than than what that indicates, but. Again, this is the state that you're at, and 
I mean, hell, if you're Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew right now, you might be running the wing tee here in week one. Yeah, and, and I mean, it just goes against – so much of this goes against what their philosophy has been with Chris Ballard and, and what their philosophy needs to be this year. Because you've stated with Jonathan Taylor that you do believe as of right now, until he proves it to you, that running backs are a dime a dozen. And he doesn't deserve anything more right now. But at the same time, with bringing in Kareem Hunt and checking this him out, you, you do, I think, put more value with that on a position where you're trying to sell to everybody out here with Jonathan Taylor in mind that is not as, as valuable as Taylor and his reps would believe. I mean, it's so... Such a level of mixed messaging that's going on with this right yeah. now. It's incredible. And, and I'm also curious this, John, and I don't have a great answer for it, but I think it's a question that certainly has been on my mind here over the last couple of days. You know, how much is the Colts' stance on Taylor, clearly not wanting to offer him an extension, how much of this was decided upon pre-physical questions, injury questions, however you want to label it? And I went back to that report day, you know, now two weeks ago and a day ago. And if you look at the Chris Ballard answers there, he very briefly mentions the ankle. I mean, he stresses the four-win season, a new offensive staff needing to evaluate everybody on this roster, much more than he stresses any injury. And it just seems like the stance that the Colts have had with Taylor is something that is more, and again, the injury probably adds to it, but that it, there was hesitancy, there was whether it was a decision was made internally that they weren't going to offer him an extension before that. I don't think this is all driven by the injury. I think there has been a, a, a challenging of blueprint, a change in blueprint, however you want to describe it, uh, even before Taylor's health status, which again, super conflicting reports on that. Um, has risen to the level that it has gotten to here in you know on August 9th. And see, Mark sends me this. He said people wanted Bauer to change his philosophy, and now that he has, it's a problem. You can't have it both ways. Um, while I would look at that, I understand, but you're still in a situation with what you want to get out of your quarterback and how you hope he evolves that to me, somebody that has been as productive in the past that you know can be, is of value here, whereas you kind of got to stick with that. Even if you are changing your philosophy blueprint-wise, you need somebody behind Anthony Richardson to help out that rookie quarterback that's so inexperienced. And again, I understand if you want to change, and you do have to change, but to me, changing it with this situation in mind um, and and leaving kind of your rookie hanging out there with just such a lack of production in that backfield. Again, if Jonathan Taylor is healthy, um, that's a little mind-blowing to me. It's just something I think you have to understand here, even if you are of the thought that you got to change your philosophy here. Yeah, and Mark asks a totally fair question, and I've been certainly one of those people that and has asked, I've asked Ballard seemingly probably three years in a row now, does your blueprint need to be changed at all, considering the results that they have led to? But I think you can't live in the you're building an expansion team tomorrow sort of my It's not a complete blank canvas Agreed. for Chris Ballard. He just drafted Anthony Richardson at four overall. And now the only thing that matters, the moment you took Richardson, probably moving to the next, 
I'd say three years, considering how big of a developmental project he appears to be. The most important thing is your support for him, your support and your development from a coaching staff. Those are the most critical, beyond critical pieces for your organization. Every move you make, and particularly offensively, has got to be driven behind that. It's why you saw Jacksonville and Doug Peterson come into that building last year and do what a lot of people mocked in paying Evan Ingram the amount of money they did and Christian Kirk the amount of money they did and Zay Jones the amount of money they did because they knew Trevor Lawrence just went through a hellacious rookie season and he was in some fragile moments. And if you don't get him right, then your organization's going to be set back for the next five to seven years. And that's where, while Ballard's blueprint needs to be different, you can't also ignore the reality of where you're at right now in 2023, and that is you've drafted this quarterback, and if you don't support him, then you're going to be gone, and your organization is, again, going to be way behind the eight ball for the next, whatever, five to seven years. And obviously Taylor's health dynamic throws a massive curveball into all of this, but as you just said, John, assuming he is healthy, you know, that's where um, I have said three years, $39 million, you, you you front load the contract, so you don't get caught up in the franchise tag that's going to rise. And I don't know if people have said, no, just tag them every year. Well, that franchise tag rises, and it gets to some really high, high, high levels. If you front load the contract, you can kind of get around that. Again, all of this is assuming Taylor is healthy. The right approach, if, if an expansion team is starting tomorrow, you don't take a running back till, till day three, and you, and you try to build that way. But, again, that's not the reality of where the Colts are at right now. You know, it's funny – with all this, we've actually seen past production from the running back, from Jonathan Taylor. And clearly there is that lack of belief moving forward with Jonathan Taylor playing that position in mind, whereas the architect of all this gets a reboot, even though there has not been that production in the past. And he gets to move forward in retooling this again. That's what's kind of interesting about this entire thing to me. Yeah, I mean, this probably goes back to January, John, but I I would argue GMs that have produced the resume that Chris Ballard has produced through the first six seasons, I would argue 90-some percent of them would have been fired. Well, I mean, first we'd have to find somebody who was, I mean, going into a seventh year. And that's just the facts. It's the facts. We're like Kevin Brown yeah. here. It's we're giving the facts that there are rarely anybody that in this this day and age of the NFL, really any sports, if you're the general manager, do you survive something like that? Sure. And again, you can list everything. You can list yeah. the no division titles, the one playoff win. I would say maybe the most damning thing if I were Jim Ursay to look back on in particular last year is what Chris Ballard's blueprint is all about, trenches, offensive line, offensive line. That's what failed this organization more than anything. And again, when, when what you believe in is failing, we can challenge if what you believe in is the right yeah. thing, which again, I would push back on and, and that's the we've talked about. But what you believe in when that is I would say maybe the domino that started it all last year. That's when I think you have to have some real, real questions. But you know, obviously he's getting a seventh year, and and, and now you run into the awkward situation as as an organization of like, if you win three or four games this year, does Ballard get an eighth year? Like, is this just a? Oh yeah, a, yeah. You know, there's that. Don't you think so? I, I have right, I right. Have, but, I, yeah. but I'm like because you run into this thing where if you fire him, now Shane Sykin's in this lame duck situation because yeah. now you're bringing a new GM in for Syke, and that's just what makes this thing so complicated and and such a mess. So you've got this window, in my mind. You've got kind of this three-year window. That's when you make the first big decision on Richardson. 
Um, you've got obviously see st- signs there. And how I view it is, again, putting Taylor's health to the side for a second, if you're living in this three-year bubble, the most important thing is number five showing that he should be here long-term. No doubt. And that's where yep. I view it as Taylor being a big-time asset. Yeah, and I've, we've talked about this before. I just brought this up again with, with Zach Kiefer. The way the Pacers handled things a year ago was brilliant. Uh, considering where they are today, what we thought about them this time last year, uh, what the fan base was told, and you know how they undersold it and over delivered it, and that is so incredibly necessary. And really, to over deliver it here, do I think they're going to win more than six games? No, but as you mentioned, if you get pops here and there, not consistently, but pops of enthusiasm and juice created by this offense and created by this rookie quarterback, that will bridge the gap. That will help you sustain. But I just think that you also have to be honest as well. This is not stuff anymore, I think, that you're going to be able to keep on the down low. If you just took the blueprint of the Pacers and told the folks out there just a little bit, let them in a little bit, a little bit transparent, hey, this is what we're doing, this is what you should expect, and then over-deliver on that, I think you put yourself in a much better position than they currently are riding in. Yeah, I, I would agree on that. Um, and I'm curious, you know, a week from Saturday, John, I, I assume that's when we will hear from Jim Mercer again, you know, typically that home preseason game. Yeah, with Rick, with Rick and Greg in the right. booth. Yeah. He, he will slide in the booth there with Greg Rakestraw and Rick Venturi. And I said it to Rick last Friday when we had him on, I go, Rick, you're going to be the one that gets the next big answer from the Colts. <laughs> yeah, and, you know? he will. And, yeah. And he, he, I don't expect Bauer to talk anytime soon. Obviously, we just went over the Shane Steichen, you know, song and dance that he, he's been playing. I don't think we'll hear from Taylor. Who knows? Maybe we will. So a week from Saturday, that's when Ursay will answer a Taylor question, unless Greg Rakeshaw is not allowed to ask that if, if the Colts want to act like, you know, Kevin Brown and the Orioles. Uh, and, you know, in typical Ursay fashion, he'll choose, obviously, whatever path he wants to go down. I would assume Ursay will address kind of, 2023 as a whole and where the organization is at and how things should be viewed. Yeah, it's some wild stuff. It really is. Um, And I I said this a little bit earlier. uh, You never say never. You never say no way here. We have learned by experience that you you can't. So there's no way that's going to happen because as soon as you do, that's exactly what happens around here. We have learned by experience. (laughs) And I mean, things at some point just need to level out. You know, need to level out without all this. And it just seems like that they have stepped from stone to stone along the way here, even from season to season, and gotten themselves into a a situation that is uh, not the most becoming for an organization trying to rebuild and regather the the respect of a fan base around here that probably lost a great deal of it a year ago, Kev. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the hope and all the intrigue, the injection of life, the massive crowds, we've seen in Grand Park, it, it can get overshadowed. And it has been overshadowed with all this Taylor drama. And again, it, it can subside before September 10th. But right now, obviously, that's the prevailing topic. And so much of that is on that rookie's shoulders. I wonder if he has uh, any real idea how much of that is riding on him. <laughs> I know. I, you know I, I, I thought about this, but and I know it's not the same. But, you know, Halliburton and Richardson, I think inevitably will start to be compared together moving forward in just how they represent each organization. And I know the NFL is not like this, but if this was the NBA, you know, and, and the Pacers had a player like Taylor and this was happening, Halliburton would be on a one-way ticket out of town with, with how that 
you know, league is, yeah. is so yeah. player driven. And again, I know the NFL is not like that, but I think you're starting to see quarterbacks, whether it's the guarantees in the contract or, you know, Deshaun Watson situation. I mean, they now start to dictate a little bit more. So, yeah, Richardson's got to prove himself without question, but you better keep that man happy as well. You got support him, and keeping him happy right. is supporting him, and supporting him on the yep. field, supporting him with production on the field. And, and you know, it's funny, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, sometime. But the offensive line, you know, the secondary, you know, the cornerbacks. I mean, you all get a pass right now because we're also concentrating on other things and not that. And those are things where this team, this organization, has they have literally crossed their fingers and just hope that things are different. Whereas you have no real thought that they they could be, given what we have witnessed here. You know the the exodus that we have seen in the secondary, the just the the reboot of what we saw from a year ago um, with that bad group at offensive line. Things we'll talk about later on, but get sidestepped right now because of what we're talking about regarding the running back. So hopefully that changes. We'll see. Yeah, I mean the Shaquille Leonard story should be celebrated right now, but you know unfortunately it yeah. gets pushed to the back burner. Kev, you and Mark are up at Grand Park in Westfield tomorrow morning, right? We are. Jake Query driving back Bob Kravitz and company after the Bruce Springsteen concert at Wrigley. So, yes, it'll be Mark Dykeson and myself tomorrow at Colts training camp. I bet Kravitz is drunk in the trunk on the way home. I bet you. Uh, Jake was like, yeah, uh, you know, I, I didn't even drive home ago. I go, I think Bob will be asleep uh, probably 40 miles north of Fair Oaks. Bob will fall asleep during glory days up there <laughs> as you make your way through the parking lot Bob, Bob <laughs> uh, buddy I appreciate it we'll be listening Westfield tomorrow morning that's Kevin and Mark on uh, the morning show appreciate you Kev yep see you John raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide have something sweet in her honor Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, in a very awkward fashion, and I'm sure he would rather me say something else before I bring him on the air. Greg Rakestraw joins us. Hello, Greg. How are you? I am used to your awkward transitions by now, my friend. I am great. How are you? All right. So are you ready? You got all the names memorized on both sides of the football, ready to do a little bit of TV coming up on Saturday afternoon. I think I am. I just got my haircut for my 30 seconds of being on camera, buddy. I think we're ready to go. Oh, man, the haircut. How long is the haircut do you get take? Seemingly shorter. Is that awkward, too? I'm sorry. Is that bad? (laughs) That's that's not awkward at all. Uh, I I think we're about to the point of we have lost the war. It's about time to send the soldiers home. But I don't want to try that three days out before being on uh, great television stations across the Midwest. So there might be a radical hairstyle change coming up from me in about three or four weeks. We'll see. How many stations are you going to be a part of, uh, with the exception of those that have direct TV, are, are going to struggle if they have Nexstar, like here in town? But how many stations are you a part of? 
I don't know. I mean, normally we are on in, like, say, Louisville, Evansville, Terre Haute, Fort Wayne. Uh, randomly, we get picked up by a station on Honolulu, Hawaii, most years. Uh, so I'm not sure if we're on K5 or not. I have, I do not have the exact list, but I'm sure I will have access to that by the, uh, by the end of the weekend. So uh, Diaz just gave up a solo home run in the ninth, and uh, the Reds now trail. They once led 4-1. to one. They're down 5-4 right now, Greg. And, you know, I remember that some dope was on the radio last week saying, hey, you know what, it's not a big deal that the Reds went out and or didn't go out and acquire pitching at the trade deadline. And, you know, but, but they're playing so well, it's going to be fine. <laughs> I oh, was did, did, you, did you say that? I, I didn't like I any of the deals. That, yes. Well, I, I I said something similar. I just said I didn't like any of the proposed right. deals because honestly, Greg, I felt that this type of breakdown was inevitable. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think there's some of the fact that, and I said this too last Tuesday or last Wednesday when it was on. I basically said, listen, there was nothing great that was available, and it wasn't about not giving up, you know, prospects down the line. I think it was just there was not that many, you know, great talents that were available at this point in time. Uh, that just sounded and, like, oh, there he is. I'm sorry, he went away for a moment. Greg, continue. My apologies. Um, basically, my thought would be is that there's there's you could probably push the trade deadline back about 15 days and have a much better grasp as to who needs to be buyers and who needs to be sellers. Because at this point on August the 1st, like 20 to 25 to 30 teams still think they're a playoff team with that much time left to go. So maybe we change the trade deadline going forward. If I'm going to have two trade deadlines now, but just one, maybe let's move it back a couple of weeks. We'll get a better idea as to who exactly should be in the market for talent and who shouldn't be. All right, Greg, let's go back to the Colts. Of course, you and Rick Venturi, Lara Overton, have the television call coming up on Saturday afternoon in Buffalo. What do you make of the latest? Are you a fan, for example, of them even taking a look at Kareem Hunt? And knowing their injuries, but also knowing how disposable that position is to the point to where, you know, they don't have any interest in even doing anything for Jonathan Taylor right now. Why would you go this direction when it's so disposable? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, but but I I think the fact that Kareem Hunt is available indicates that you could be much more short-term on the planning at the running back position. Um, I, I it, this does send very much a, a a message everybody involved that I do think the Colts might be ready to say maybe our future does not have Jonathan Taylor in it, which I am floored that I am saying this, you know, two or three weeks in the training camp, but it certainly appears that the Colts potentially could be planning for a future without him. And I and I mean like an immediate future. So it's one thing to bring a guy like Kenyon Drake who is you know, still had some did some decent things for the Ravens. Is two or three years removed from having a a thousand yard season or close to it for the Arizona Cardinals. But you bring in a player potentially bring in a player like a Kareem Hunt. That tells me that you may be planning long term to not have Jonathan Taylor here. And again, by long term, I mean during the course of this season. So, to me, there is a lot of messaging to be read by the fact that Colts are at least having serious conversations with him. I don't even view Kareem Hunt being a serious long term solution here. I don't. No, he's he's a one year thing. But again, I I'm not sure if you're going. Yeah, I mean, to I mean, have... long term, long term is in this year, Greg. I don't I don't view yeah. that as a solution. I just don't. And it's not it's not even all encompassing the off the field stuff in the past. 
and what we have gone through here. It is just where he is right now in his career. I mean, you can find somebody else. I mean, people always tell us, Greg, you know, it's a position you can just go ahead and slot anybody in. It's going to be fine. All right, well, then slot anybody in. It'll be fine. Just not him. The thing is, is that there was all the four guys at practice yesterday, John. Deion Jackson was, was, was not carrying a football. Obviously, Zach Moss is going to be out until right around the season opener. Literally, the four – and you don't have to have your running back room set by the first preseason game. Lord knows I understand that. But the four players that went through running back drills yesterday, Jake Funk, who has two career NFL carries, um, you know, haul your draft pick out of Northwestern, uh, Xavier Scott, who played at both UConn and Maine, and then it was Kenyon Drake. So I understand why the culture at least kicking the tires on somebody at this point. Would Dalvin Cook, for example, be more of a message-sending play than Kareem Hunt would? Like, to me, that's when you're serious. Like, to, this almost – and I mentioned this earlier. This was almost yesterday when this was reported. It was like that the agent for Kareem Hunt was trying to get more – money out of new orleans than he was actually having interest here i think there's something to that standpoint um i would say if you're dalvin cook you are probably looking at going to more of a team that you think has a more of an immediate chance to win than do the indianapolis colts do right now i think that is what is on his radar maybe a guy like kareem hunt has a few less choices at this point yeah i guess i I mean again you're talking about a running back position where they're just going to wait around. I guess you wait around and not have to pay him right now. That makes sense. But I just, I guess I view Kareem Hunt differently right now than anything else. And Kenyon Drake, to a lesser degree, if you're talking about terms of production, um, I, I think Kenyon Drake makes sense because of the types of quarterbacks in which he has worked with in the past. That, that part makes sense to me. But uh, it just kind of seems like, again, the Colts find themselves in a very awkward slash at times ridiculous position. Here we are. I would say this. Here's the one other thing that I will throw out here, and I'm not sure this pertains to Jonathan Taylor or not, but just in terms of can you tell I prepped the running backs today for the broadcast on Saturday? And I have to. Um, one, one of the things that, that, that struck me in looking at the guys that are currently on the roster is the way they have been featured as receivers, whether it has been in the National Football League, whether it has been in college. And so just kind of something to consider in this offense, especially with a young quarterback or a guy that tends to maybe throw the ball more in, in, in the short passing game like a Gardner Minshew, is that you know it, it's been talked about in the past. I think it's going to be more than lip service this year. Whomever the running back is going to be has to have the ability to make catches out of the backfield. I think that's going to be far more of a part of the game plan this year than it has been in years gone by. So Greg Gregsroll with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Other things you're looking for coming up on Saturday in this preseason game one you get the call of. Well, obviously, how much is Anthony Richardson going to play? How much will the starters play in total? Could you actually see the starters play more in this game than you do in future games? just because of the fact you don't have the workouts with the opposing team like you've got for the last couple of games. Will we see Shaq Leonard? Um, I think it's possible he plays on Saturday. I'd say it's more likely he plays the following Saturday because that is in front of your home crowd. Uh, But he needs to get some reps at some point in time. And frankly, do the ones on offense get more time just so you can give more time to Anthony Richardson, who has got to play 
So those are obviously some of the things that I'll be thinking about and then talking about very early in the broadcast on Saturday. I know you've been up to a lot of practices at Grand Park in preparation for the preseason calls you're going to have, but give me some impressions that you have, especially offensively, some guys that you have felt have stood out and made some strides, for example, compared to the last time that you saw them. You know, the crazy thing is is that we have been so focused on who's getting the one reps at quarterback, which have been virtually identical. It rotated back to Gardner Minshew yesterday. We've been so focused about Jonathan Taylor not being out there, looking at him on the sideline, and so focused as to Shaquille Leonard being out there, and, and, and clearly he's the good story of training camp right now. The other one is that Anthony Richardson has made legitimate progress. I've seen it the last couple of three weeks – He's gotten better as most practices have gone on. Maybe he wasn't as great yesterday, but he's been better lately. And not that he was terrible beforehand, but you can see the progression that he is making. It's not like that you've been able to spend a lot of time kind of saying, hey, that guy has really popped, or hey, this, this guy has really stood out to me because we're so laser-focused in on two or three big stories. If I had to give you a couple of names, here's what I would do. There's a linebacker named Saguna Luby. Where's number 50? Uh, let's face it, if Shaq Leonard is healthy, EJ Speed and Zaire Franklin, you know, are, those guys are getting 85 to 90% of the reps. But that player that I mentioned in the Luby that wears number 50 looks like a guy that's going to make the roster uh, because he seems to be around the ball um, whenever there is a play to be made. In terms of offensively, a couple of wide receivers that have caught my attention Alec Pierce making plays, Mike Strawn making plays. I think Mike has to earn his way onto the roster. He's shown town the preseason before. He's been largely quiet the last couple of years. And as I start to do the roster math, I kind of think the wide receiver position is, is kind of covered with five guys that are likely going to make the team, barring injury. Now, could you slide him through on practice squad? Absolutely. But Pierce and Sean have been the guys that have caught my attention in terms of wide receiver. And honestly, it is easiest to look at quarterback and wide receiver in training camp. That's the stuff that tends to translate in practice. It's next to impossible to see running back, tackling, pass rush, et cetera. You don't get to see that until they're playing somebody else. All right. What time do you guys hit the airwaves on Saturday? So we hit the airwaves at one because kickoff is so early. So, you know, you get to do two hours of pregame show. I do. I get like three minutes, and then boom, here we are. Here's the season. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, your partner will handle that, and no doubt. You can just like say, hey, football's back. And what do you think, Rick? Man, you're stealing my lines. It's exactly how it's scripted <laughs> out for Saturday. We, 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 will have a, we will have a pre-production meeting on Friday night, yep. and, uh, and, my, and my total talk time will not be long, and I am perfectly fine with that. All right, man. Well, we'll be uh, we'll watching. I'll have to uh, find a way to watch, but we'll be watching. Uh, and obviously, I'll be sitting in the studio listening to Matt as well, so it uh – be dual here radio and tv you can check out greg and rick and lara coming up on saturday that's preseason game one in buffalo they get underway at one o'clock greg rakestraw is with us via the andy moore automotive group hotline hello greg thank you very much appreciate you you're going to miss by the way a jamby takeover on saturday well no that's the great thing is man you know with a one o'clock kickoff 
I get to fly oh, back. Oh, yeah. You'll be back by then, I, won't you? I'm sorry. You will. I will, yeah. I, I will be listening. Right. On the, and we're going to make this We're gonna make this a tradition because I called it from the hotel in Buffalo last year. I didn't fly. We had a 4 o'clock game. I didn't fly back until the next morning. I'm flying back on you know late Saturday afternoon. So go ahead and have Nana Cherry Buffalo stance queued up because every time I'm doing a game from Buffalo, I'm calling and requesting that song. Do you like Eagle Eye Cherry as much as you do Nana Cherry? Uh, I, I am probably much more of a, of a Nana Cherry fan. Right. But it's probably, I mean, nothing against Eagle Eye. He, too, had a great one-hit wonder. Probably would lean more towards the original, the late 80s version. All right, man. Have a great call on Saturday, Greg. Thanks, buddy. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.